Hey, welcome to In Doubt. This week on the show, we talk with author and singer-songwriter Andrew Peterson on what it is to be creative and an artist, as well as why those who wouldn't consider themselves artists need artists. Also, this month we end our budget year as a charity in Canada. If you didn't know, InDoubt is a nonprofit that provides many free resources to everyone, yet obviously it costs us money to make these different resources. Uh, we rely on God's provision through the donations of generous people all over this nation and world. Now, if you'd like to help us you know, out to finish this budget year well and help us start a new year well, then you can just call us at 1-800-663-2425 or click donate at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. Thanks so much. Art can say things that other things can't. And so why would we assume that God and his people, and that for that matter, all humanity made in his image, wouldn't have something good to say through the arts? Hey, it's Isaac here. Hope you're all doing well. What do you like and what do you not like on our show? We want to hear from you. You can direct message us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, or you can always email us at hello at indoubt.com. You know, we're a ministry that seeks to serve our listeners and those that, you know, take in and engage our resources. So we want to know how we can do better. Anyways, this week on the show, we have the great privilege of having a conversation with singer-songwriter and author Andrew Peterson. If you've never heard of Andrew, I'm happy to be the one that gets to introduce you to him. Uh, we're talking about creativity and what it is to be an artist. You know, Andrew defines what an artist is, and it's really quite good. We also talk about why people who tend not to do art or are less likely to, you know, read uh, you know, some fiction novel or poem or watch a movie or whatever, you know, those who are not as likely to engage art, why they need Christian artists and why they need to engage with art as well. Andrew really helps flesh that out in this conversation. So here's a conversation with Andrew Peterson. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? We do. Do you wish that you could see it all made? With me today is singer-songwriter and author Andrew Peterson. Most recently, Andrew has released the album Resurrection Letters Volume 1, which is very good, by the way. My wife and I listened to that. Uh, anyways, it's great to have you on the show today, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Um, first of all, what are a few things you could say about yourself, possibly your, your sort of your brief testimony, how you came to faith in Jesus? Uh, sure. It's a complicated and long answer, so it'll take an hour. Is that okay? <laughs> well, we, if you can fit an hour into half an hour, then there we go. <laughs> okay, sure. No, uh, I grew up in the church, so uh, it, my dad's a pastor, which is why the, it's such a complicated answer, because I feel like it was a long string of breadcrumbs, you know, that led <laughs> me to Jesus. It was, it was, uh, there were a several like really salient moments in my, in my youth. And, you know, like the simplest answer is that I was baptized when I was nine. And, um, I remember that I was sitting in church as a little boy, listening to my dad preach like I always did. And, uh, and for some reason, I don't know, like what I remember about it is that I just felt this compulsion, this inner compulsion to, to answer the call. And, um, he he would always kind of stand in front of the podium at the end of his sermon and offer an invitation, and we would all sing "Just as I Am" ten times. And 
Um, I, uh, my, my 10 year old explanation for it would be that I knew that I was broken and that I was lost and that Jesus was my only hope. And I, you know, that, that hasn't changed. <laughs> uh, that's the same way that I would put it now. But then, you know, of course, high school, I was, I was a terror and, um, I was an awful person in so many ways and just didn't really consider Jesus an important part of my life, even though I would have told you I was a Christian. And then, uh, the next big moment that I remember was encountering the music of Rich Mullins. And, um, I had been in a rock band for a year post high school and, was just mainly interested in music and girls and, and then just had this weird encounter with God through this music and, um, Rich's music just caught my attention because it was so honest. You know, I could hear that he was, he was human and imperfect, but also that he talked about God as a person. Like he seemed to consider the Jesus that he sang about to be an actual person. And, and I don't know how to explain it. That's, that seems obvious, but I, I don't know. There's something about it. The way he talked about God made, made me believe that God was actually real in a deeper way. And, uh, and so, yeah, that was, that was around, it was, I was 19 years old, I think. And I, I kind of publicly committed my life to the ministry. Like I just, I remember asking God, if, if you can use my own gifts to make somebody else feel the way that Rich's music made me feel, and that's what I want to do. That's awesome. That's so good. Thank you for sharing that. And uh, kind of to segue into that, because you started talking about your music, uh, when you consider your, I don't know, quote unquote, creative career so far in this life, um, what does that look like? What what have you kind of experienced in regards to the different mediums? Because I know that you've written this, you know, these, these, these books, you've written music. Uh, yeah. What projects have you completed, attempted, things like that? Well, it started out... Um, just music. So when I was in college, I, um, I went, I ended up not long after that encounter with Rich Mullins choosing a little Bible college, not for any real noble reasons other than that they didn't, they didn't have a math requirement. <laughs> so, nice. so I was like, uh, I thought, okay, I can maybe do that. And, and right away it just felt like I had been once again led there and I loved it. And some, it was during college that I quit the band that I was in and started writing my own songs and um, got married. My wife encouraged me to, to pursue this thing. And a lot of professors too, I guess they saw a gift in me that, uh, that they wanted to encourage. And so by the time I had graduated college, I had released my first indie record that would have been in 96, I think, um, 22 years ago. And, and, you know, in 96, an indie record meant a little more than it does now, you know, <laughs> pre-internet, pre-garage band, you know, so I couldn't, it wasn't like I could make it on my computer. It was just like I had to actually take a Greyhound to Nashville and borrow from grandma and that whole thing. So it was very much a, a calling. Um, and so um, I moved to Nashville and then um, got a record deal and about three albums in to my music career, I, I read the Narnia books to my, my, my kids. And, you know, it was kind of this, uh, I had always loved reading and I'm still a big reader and I wanted to be an author before I ever wanted to be a musician. And so I, reading those books to my kids kind of reminded me, um, of that, that desire. And so I remember it, it felt a lot like, um, it felt that night that I encountered Rich's music, you know, reading C.S. Lewis was like, uh, I just, wept and I, I felt this tug in my heart and I was like, Lord, if I can make somebody else feel this way through writing a story, 
that's what I want to do. And so started writing the book series. And, and so for, you know, the next 10 years or so, I'd put out a record followed by a book, followed by a record, followed by a book. And, um, and then in the middle of that, um, started a, a ministry called the rabbit room, which is a nonprofit ministry that kind of seeks to nurture art and community and spiritual formation. And so kind of a, a gathering point for authors and musicians, basically every, anybody who's uh, moved by the arts, which I think is everybody. And then, um, about two years ago, we started the journey of turning the book series into a film. And so we released an animated short about around Christmas time this year. And we're in talks with studios to, to, um, make a full on movie. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so good. And, you know, it's sort of to, this is a really big question, the next one, but try to, if you can try to like summarize it in maybe one sentence, if I asked you why, have you done all these creative things? What would you say if I just said, why have you written and recorded all these records, all these, these books and started this ministry? Why have you done it? Um, well, I, the way that I articulate my calling, um, as best as I understand it is that I want to tell the truth as beautifully as I can. And, and so that encompasses books and music and the, the, the ministry, the kind of the whole thing. Um, as a, a person who is an artist, like, I think that's what the artist is called to if he's a Christian is, is like, tell the truth and make it as beautiful and appealing and, and, uh, convicting as possible. And so that's part of it. The, the, the less holy answer is that a lot of it is <laughs> born out of brokenness. A lot of it is me being ambitious and, um, and you know, it's, it's God redeeming my broken desire to try to matter. You know, uh, and I think a lot of us are, are motivated, like our motives are always going to be a little bit sullied by, <laughs> by sin and our own brokenness. And so I remember there being a moment a couple of years ago when somebody came up to me after a show and they were like, man, I've been wanting to meet you. I just don't understand how you can kind of spin all the plates that you spin or how do you do books and the movie and music and blah, blah, blah. And when he said that, I felt proud of it. And it was really scary. I remember how it was like the Holy Spirit, like whispered in my ear, be careful, you know? And I, and it was like the beginning of this realization. When I look back at my career, how much of it is me trying to, to just, uh, you know, this huge mixture of wanting to be obedient and wanting to use my gifts for the kingdom and also, um, operating sometimes out of a real brokenness and a, and a, a fear of, uh, insignificance or, uh, like broken desire to try to prove myself, you know? And so the fascinating thing is to like, look back and see all the ways the Lord has winnowed me, you know, through that process. Like he's going to use, he always uses broken people. And so there's a part of me that's like, yes, on my good days, I want to tell the truth as beautifully as I can. Um, and the rest of the time, God is just making good out of my mess. Yeah. That's awesome. That's good. You know, speaking in Really, really, really general terms. So I hope you catch that. Really general terms. I think most would agree uh, that there are people that maybe are more prone to just these creative endeavors or, as you say, like uh, telling the truth as beautiful as possible. And then people that are less, less prone to those specific creative endeavors. Would you sort of agree with that? Sort of. Um, <laughs> I sort of agree with it. I don't know if it's a, it's a loaded question because you've, you've uh, heard my rant about, oh, wow, there's a beautiful hummingbird that just flew right outside my window. First hummingbird of the season. Awesome. Oh, sorry. <laughs> that was delightful. Sorry to distract you. Right, no, so it's good. The, uh, 
the well, here's the thing. Like, I don't know if you've <laughs> or read my. I wrote a blog post for the Rabbit Room um, called um, "Everyone's a Creative." Oh, okay. Uh, no, I haven't. Yeah, you, check it out when you get a chance. It, it was kind of written in response to this the, the this new terminology that showed up about a few years ago, where people nouned the word creative. Creative is an adjective, not a noun. And so when people start to say, I am a creative instead of I am creative, um, I think that what it, 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 what it did, it, it, it's not a helpful term. And, and the reason I'm, I feel so strongly about it is because um, I, I think that one of the chief ways that we reflect the image of God in us is that we all are creative. We all are, are called to and without even meaning to scatter light wherever we go. Um, and so part of it is that my wife, um, is, is one of the, (laughs) she would tell you she's one of the least artistic people in the world. Like she's just like, she hates poetry unless it's a poem I've written about her for her. (laughs) And so, (laughs) and, uh, she's, you know, she goes to Zumba and she likes dance music and she likes, uh, she, like she, there's no way she would even know who I was if we weren't married. Like I wouldn't be on her radar. And so, I get defensive though, because, um, when, when that language about being a creative showed up, it drew this hard line between people who are called to the arts and everybody else. You know what I mean? It made it so that it, it kind of like established a class of creative people. And I want to be like, no, 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 no. Like that, that is not the way that is not the story scripture tells us. Like scripture tells us that, um, God made man in his image. He told Adam and Eve, or, you know, to go and name things and tend the garden. And that gardening is one of the most creative things a person can do. For that matter, childbirth is, according to J.R.R. Tolkien, the very pinnacle of man's creativity, you know? <laughs> and, and my wife, who would tell you she's not an artist, is truly one of the most creative people I've ever met. And so, and, and what part of what I mean by that is that in the same breath that she'll tell you she's not artistic, she'll be rearranging the furniture in our house for the 18th time that week, <laughs> you know, like trying to find a way, how do we make our, how does, how do we make our home beautiful and welcoming to people? Um, if you walked into our house right now, you would, it would smell good because she's always burning candles and always caring for the place. And that is like deep, deep creativity. So, so that's part of why I have this like like from a etymological argument, like I don't like that terminology. And so part of it, came from uh, an essay by J.R.R. Tolkien called On Fairy Stories. So anybody out there who is wants to be an author or is a, any kind of artist should go read this essay. It's, it's wonderful. And he delivered it before he ever published The Lord of the Rings. It was like in the 30s, I think. His theology of creativity and of storytelling. And it's really beautiful. But one of the words he coins in there is sub-creator. So he, he makes this case that um, God is the creator with a capital C and that his people, like all humans, are little creators. We're all sub-creators. And so we speak worlds into being. We speak light, speak light into being. Like one of the things that marks the passage in Genesis is God's delight in what he has made, right? So after every day of creation, he looks at it. He beholds it and he says it's good. And anybody out there who's listening who's ever written a poem or a song or a story like, you, you know what I'm talking about. There's, there's a lot of what we make is garbage. I know for myself, like a lot of the songs I write are terrible, but every now and then you write a good one and you, you look back and you say, it is good. And I know that the next morning after I've written a song that I don't hate, 
I wake up and I can't stop thinking about it. I'll listen to the voice memo immediately and go, I made that. I can't believe I got to make that, you know? So I think that that's the image of God bearing itself out in us, that we are all creative. We're all sub-creators. And I think that changes the way we think about our calling if you're a mom or a banker or uh, someone who doesn't think of themselves as an artist. I would say you may not be an artist, but you're definitely creative. Yeah. Okay. So that last that last point you just made, I kind of want to get to that. So if we can all agree that everyone is creative, and I think I think you kind of made that point clear, and that's good, and I like that. Would you say that only some then are artists? Because if an artist is not an adjective, an artist is, uh, you know, it's a title of someone. How how do you define artist? Is would would you say that my wife isn't an artist then? Um. I I would yes. Depending on the conversation I was having, you know, it's nuanced. But yeah, I would say. There, there is a difference between, you know, calling someone an artist is like they actually are making art and art has, you know, we could, we could talk for hours. I haven't really figured out how to articulate what that means, but I think we all know what that means. You know, it means that you're called to tell the truth as beautifully as you can, called to put something beautiful in the world that is, could be considered art. Um, I think it's a different kind of a calling. And so, uh, but that doesn't, mean that I'm more creative than my mom. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I guess what I'm trying to do is to slowly draw us to this question of why do Christians who don't consider themselves artists and who aren't artists necessarily need Christian artists um, and their creations? Because, and I, I'm, I'm interested to read your article because I think there has been this sort of um, this, you know, battle that's kind of been going on. That's not very loud, but I think it's just subtle where artists don't feel very you know, appreciated in the church and things like that. So I guess the question is, yeah, why do Christians who don't consider themselves artists need Christian artists and their their creations? Yeah. Well, uh, one of my favorite quotes in the movie Shadowlands um, about C.S. Lewis's marriage, um, somebody says in the movie, we read to know that we're not alone. Um, I think that's one of the, the highest kinds of art is that, um, at least when it comes to songwriting and maybe poetry, well, a lot of art, is that uh, the people, the artist gives expression to things, to the kind of the mysteries of the heart that other people aren't able to articulate. And so like when somebody comes up to me after a show and says, oh man, you said that thing in that song and it it put to words something that I've always felt, but but didn't know how to say, or I thought I was the only one, you know? Like to, and that's what I love about songwriting. I love doing a concert where I can sing about like a season of desolation in my own life um, that that is a means of an avenue of comfort and connection for the people sitting in the audience. Um, and so, you know, people who are gifted at, at mathematics may not be able to express or articulate the pain of the heart in a way that an artist can. You know what I mean? So they need language for that, and I think that that's what artists have to offer. Right. Yeah. And I guess when we consider the Bible and church history, like I was thinking, you know, where have we seen examples of this? And I think of the Psalms, I think of, you know, jump, you know, hundreds of years later to John Bunyan writing the Pilgrim's Progress, different things like that, in which these artists have done poetry and songs and these these novels uh, to help kind of say things that maybe others have been trying to say. Um, For those who might have the mindset of, you know, they could sort of I don't know if it's the right words to say, I could care less about Christian art, but when it comes to, you know, um, singer, like Christian singer-songwriters and Christian novels and things like that, 
they just think, well, you know what, I'd rather just read a theology book and my Bible. How would you sort of challenge them as a Christian artist to sort of open their their eyes a bit more? Um, I would say pay attention to the to the fact that Jesus was a storyteller, that he he used stories to convey truth. And so uh, it feels kind of absurd to me that that these that his people would be cut off from emulating the way that he told stories, you know, the way that he conveyed truth. Um, and and for that matter, it's arguable that that the the Bible as a whole and history, which is to say, creation as a whole, is a story. Stories are the language God wired our hearts to speak. Like we can understand things in a story that you can't understand in any other way. You know, somebody really famously asked Flannery O'Connor what her story meant. And she said, well, if I could tell you that, I wouldn't have had to write the story. <laughs> kind of a snarky answer, but it's true. It's like, no, there's a, there's a, is it my wife. Okay. So yesterday, um, my wife and I are reading together a book that mentions a poem by uh, John Donne, who's you know an old guy from I think the 1600s. Anyway, it's pretty archaic language, and uh, it's one of my very favorite poems. Um, Batter my heart, three person God. It's, I forget the name of the poem, but it's gorgeous. And she hated it. She, like so, we I was like, hey, let's slow down. Let's actually like take it line by line and think about what he's saying. And so we were laughing about it the next day, and I was like, um, kind of giving her. Uh, a hard time about it. And she said, well, why can't you just say it? And I was like, okay, so there's a song I wrote called be kind to yourself for my daughter. And that song, I was like, do you think she would have listened to me more if I had just told her in passing, be kind to yourself? Um, did it mean more that I put it into a song? You know what I mean? And she had to admit that, yes, it did. My daughter paid attention to it in a way that she wouldn't have other, otherwise. And so I, I just think um, I forgot even what the, the original question was. Um, but, you're you're but, answering it. <laughs> so, so, yeah, there's the art can say things that other things can't. And so why would we assume that God and his people and that for that matter, all humanity made in his image wouldn't have something good to say through the arts? So. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I have a hard time not rolling my eyes when I encounter people who say all I read is the Bible and theology. I just want to be like, oh my goodness, like, where's your imagination? Like, God, th these are God-given faculties. You know what I mean? You know, the proof is in the insane amount of money in the movie business. You know what I mean? Like, people are starving for stories. They're con like Netflix, the whole thing. They're always wanting to be told stories, and so the more Christians that are telling stories that tell the truth beautifully, the better. Yeah, that's so good. As we wrap up, Andrew, I'm, I'm wondering, and maybe it's maybe it's a few points that you've already said in this conversation, but what are just, what's a word of encouragement to Christian artists uh, that you could give them as someone that's been making Christian art for, for many years now? I would say read your Bible and go to church. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Yeah. Somebody, uh, I was a, teaching a class at a college, like a guest lecture or whatever. And somebody asked me like, do you, about my fantasy novels, they were like, you know, a lot of writers like Tolkien loved the Norse myths. And so, you know, you can see a lot of Norse mythology that shows up in the Lord of the Rings and, you know, him and Lewis and all these guys, they, they love the classics. And so, you know, there's hints of the Odyssey and, and, uh, uh, you know, all of these great old pieces of literature in their books. And they were like, what, what old literature w was your book based on? And I, I'm like, well, I didn't go, I didn't have a classical education. I, I didn't even, <laughs> I went to Bible college. So I, I, I spent four years of my, you know, um, studies, um, reading 
a piece of ancient literature. And, and every time, every good and beautiful thing that shows up in any kind of book, I, I really think you, the Bible got there first. <laughs> <That's good. laughs> and I, I, you know, like the more we seek to emulate the way the Lord tells stories, the way the Lord pays attention to um, the the mystery of the heart, you know, like the Psalms are dripping with it. Job is dripping with it. Things like the, in the gospels, my favorite moment in, in the, in the gospels is at the resurrection when Mary sees what she thinks is the gardener and Jesus speaks her name. Um, like there's all these profoundly moving moments that scripture, you know, they call it the greatest story ever told for a reason. And so I, like, I really think that the more you pay attention to the way that God tells stories, the richer your own stories will be. And I think that's probably true whether you're a Christian or not. Like I've talked to friends who are, have done graduate work, um, and learned from professors who weren't even Christians who said, in order to understand Western literature, you have to know how to read your Bible. So I would just say, dig into scripture, pay attention to what's going on at church, dig into your community. And all of these things, you're just going to water the garden of your own work. That's so good. Thank you so much, Andrew, for uh, your time and your wisdom today. If you want to learn more about Andrew, the work he's done, uh, the recent album he's put out, or his his uh, book series, just head to andrew-peterson.com. And uh, I'll put that link on our episode podcast page as well. But anyways, thank you so much, Andrew. I hope to talk to you again. Thank you, man. See you later. The Lion of Judah Who conquered the grave He is David's That was singer, songwriter, and author Andrew Peterson. Again, the links to his site where you can find his album and all of his books and also just uh, access to the Rabbit Room, which he was talking about, this ministry that he has. Um, And also that sort of everyone's creative blog that he was talking about. All of the links to those things will be on the episode podcast page for your enjoyment. I actually want to read a paragraph from the, the, he actually calls it a rant. Uh, It's called Everyone's a Creative. Uh, This blog that Andrew brings up in our conversation. Some of what I'll just say in his quote here in this excerpt is what he's already said in our conversation, but it's worth reiterating again for the sake of this conversation. Anyways, here it is. Quote, my point is this. We're all creative. Tolkien coined the word sub-creator. Some of you have likely heard me or someone else talk about that idea, but it bears repeating. He said... We make in the manner in which we were made. To put it another way, we serve a creator uh, with a capital C. One of the ways in which we've been made in his image is that we also delight in creating. Everything we make is derivative and secondary and in some manner draws attention to the primary creation, the truth, and the creator himself. That means everyone on earth could justly label themselves a creative. That means that even if you don't wear hipster glasses, skinny jeans, and have Justin Bieber hair, you're a creative. It means that even if you're a banker, uh, produce manager, uh, doctor, you're a creative. So allow me to reclaim that hijacked adjective for the good of the world. None of us in this room is a creative, but all of us are creative, end quote. Again, the link to this blog where he goes into much more depth will be on the episode page. Remember that if you are interested in helping Indoubt achieve its financial budget for our fiscal year end this June 2018, uh, you can do so by calling us at 1-800-663-2425 or by clicking the donate button at indoubt.ca if you live in Canada or indoubt.com if you live in the States. 
You can connect with us online this week through Facebook, through Twitter, and Instagram. Just search in doubt. We'd love to hear your stories of impact. Perhaps uh, one of our conversations uh, really helped challenge you or encourage you or convict you. Uh, we want to have suggestions of topics and different guests as well. So yeah, just direct message us through Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you. Well, I'm Isaac, and next week we chat with author Chris Martin on the topic of ministering to millennials. We'll see you then. In Doubt Ministries exists to bring a biblical perspective into the relevant issues of life and faith that young adults face every day. For more information, check out indoubt.ca if you live in Canada and indoubt.com if you live in the U.S.